0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Ask the Professor, a crowd-driven, crowd-supported feature where we respond to your questions on history, political philosophy, economics, geopolitics, all those things that matter to us in our life together as citizens. And today's question comes from Steve, who asks in response to a throwaway line in one of my previous pieces, he says, what is social credit, the theory and the party? And This question prompts me to say that I think that nothing in the history of mankind has led to more quackery than monetary policy, except perhaps health. And social credit is not a theory about your health. It isn't about some bracelet you can wear or some supplement you can take or some miracle exercise that will make you hot from head to toe in five minutes a day or any of that sort of thing. It is a theory about money and then parties that were founded based on this theory and it's important to take contrary ideas seriously to show respect in public debate to use argument rather than ridicule and i'm going to do my very best to do it but in this case i may stumble a little bear with me because honestly social credit is a theory that i came up with when i was six i was walking along i was looking in the window of some store and there were things for sale and i thought gee there are a lot of people who can't afford that because they don't have enough money the government should print more money and give it out and then more people could have things and there'd be less poverty. And I thought, wow, that's, that's great. That's quite a simple solution to what's been, I gather, a rather persistent problem in human life. And by the time I reached seven, I thought, no, wait a minute, if that would never work. If you just gave it all this money, the price of things would go up and people would not be better off. So I eventually started investigating economics from other angles and became a staunch Austrian school free marketeer. Social creditors apparently never did this. I'm sorry, I know... It sounds like I'm just sneering, but this is the truth. The social credit theory is that there's not enough money, that money is deliberately restricted by the machinations of the government controlled by sinister interests who benefit from a concentration of what wealth there is in their hands. And it takes all kinds of different forms. It's not always called social credit. Back in the late 19th century, there was this huge reform movement in the United States led by the U- Magnificent speaker, William Jennings Bryan, three times Democratic candidate for the presidency. Um, They called him the boy orator of the Platte because he was young and he was from Nebraska, which is where the Platte River is. Somebody said, yeah, it's an apt comparison, like the Platte River he's a mile wide at the mouth and six inches deep. But Brian's theory was that because the US dollar was backed only by gold, the government in those days could only print as many dollars as it could actually redeem for gold that it owned in various places, like the famous Fort Knox. And Brian thought that means there's too little money, there's too little economic activity, the rich have a stranglehold, everybody else suffers. And he gave this cross of gold speech at the Democratic Convention in, uh, I think, 1896 where he ended up by saying, you shall not press this crown of thorns upon the brow of mankind. You shall not crucify mankind upon a cross of gold. Yay. And the audience went nuts literally as well as figuratively because his idea was, well, if only the United States government would also issue money backed by silver, then there'd be more money. And so people would have more money and they'd be richer, which is to confuse money and stuff. And again, to the technicalities, what they were calling for was free and unlimited coinage of silver, of money at 16 to one. Um, that is to say, you'd get as much money for 16 ounces of silver as you would for one ounce of gold. And among the many obvious problems was what happened to the price of gold in the free market is not exactly, the ratio isn't 16 to 1. If silver is actually worth more, people will keep coming to the mint with gold and taking away silver at this bargain price. If silver is worth less, they'll keep bringing silver in and taking away gold and pretty soon you'll, you'll have a, a disaster. Incidentally, that slogan about free and unlimited coinage was too unworkable, so it turned into free silver. That was their cry, free silver. Like, what is it, Ray Rogers' horse? Wasn't he called silver? What's Who's trapped silver? But it was about this idea that the government should issue money backed by silver. But the real problem isn't to do with the ratio of the price of the two metals. It's that if the government prints more money, but there isn't more stuff, the price of the existing stuff just goes up. Now, inflation is a corrosive force in society because it favors borrowers and undermines lenders. So those people who've actually been frugal, saved money, postponed consumption, and lent it for productive uses wind up getting burned because the money they get back is worth less, unless they have inflation protector clauses written in. And so it rewards the profligate. Also, depending how the government puts the money into the economy, it can redistribute income at the same time that it drives up prices. If it gives all the new money to A reasonably small group of people, obviously, they're going to wind up better off. Everybody else will wind up worse off because the ratio of total money in circulation that these people have now rises, so everybody else's goes down. But fundamentally, it confuses money with stuff. And the social credit movement had the same idea, that the government was somehow cheating the people by not issuing enough money and they come up with all kinds of ingenious ways that you could back that money and some of them actually also have anti-semitic theories that it's jewish bankers that are doing this others are at least free of that taint as they are free of any genuine acquaintance with economics and monetary theory which is a somewhat difficult subject i am the first to concede that but a bottom social credit is the idea that if we printed more money people could have more stuff and it's not true it might affect who gets the stuff and under what conditions But in and of itself, it can't make there be more stuff. I mean, you need money. A society with no money would obviously benefit from getting some money. It makes exchange much easier, especially over time, where somebody says, I will take this today uh, in return for promise to give you something else tomorrow. Money is a much better way of embodying that promise, much more flexible. You know, you you can trade it, you can exchange it, it can do all kinds of things. It's kind of a universal solvent. But the value of money should be held essentially constant relative to... The stuff that's in circulation. As the economy grows you want the money supply to grow to accommodate that growth so that prices are stable and there's enough money to lubricate commerce, which is what it really does. Now various parties got formed on the social credit theory and those that persisted, especially in Alberta, persisted because they pretty quickly dropped the monetary insanity and just became more normal conservative or populist parties. Um, Their ostensible allegiance to the doctrines of Major Douglas who discovered the idea of printing money. Notwithstanding, they basically ran reasonably sensible operations as governments go and thus they were able to persist for some time. But the fundamental idea is completely flawed and it's flawed for the reason that I saw when I was seven years old. If you increase the amount of money, you just have more dollars chasing the same number of goods and prices go up. And again, depending how you inject it, because if the government prints the money and then spends it itself, it amounts to a tax increase. The government doesn't formally raise your taxes, but because it's getting stuff for all this new money that it's injecting into the economy, uh, it actually takes a good deal more of what's produced, at least during the inflationary wave. And as we all know, Weimar Germany being the most horrendous example, but actually no, now it's Zimbabwe, so they outdid them. Zimbabwe actually inflated its currency out of existence. They abandoned, they don't have a national currency because by the time the inflation rate reached uh, billions of dollars, billions of percent a month, and it literally did do that, nobody would touch a Zimbabwean dollar, not even to start a fire with, um, you simply in the end, you destroy your currency. Now, all of this might sound amusingly lunatic, but here's the problem. Ever since the 2008 crisis, when governments spent lavishly, they dusted off their old Keynesian books and said, hey, you know what, deficits stimulate the economy after all. Well, guess what, they still didn't, just as they didn't in the 70s and 80s. Then they decided loose money would do the trick. They've been keeping interest rates down near zero on the idea that if they flood the economy with money in a more sophisticated way than free silver, or the sub-treasury or whatever dopey thing social credit wanted to do, if they do it by manipulating the interbank overnight lending rate, that because there's more money, there will be more stuff. And once again, it doesn't work. We haven't yet run into inflation, but when we do, interest rates will rise, nominal and probably real as well. Government debt will become harder to service, so will personal debt. All manner of bad things will happen. You know, there is no free lunch. That's the bottom line. There's no free lunch. And there certainly isn't one hidden in the government treasury. So there's your theory of social credit. In brief, avoid. Now, if you're enjoying Ask the Professor, remember, it's crowd-driven. We rely on your questions. Here's the URL that will enable you to submit one. It's also crowd-funded. If you value the feature and want to help me keep producing it, click here and become, if you aren't already one, a monthly supporter through Patreon or otherwise. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time.